Welcome to the Constructing Greatness Podcast, where I will be sharing real stories with inspiring tradesmen and many other driven and passionate leaders in construction and various other industries. I'm your host, Nicholas Ofak, and I've been in the construction business since 1996 as a construction manager and have worked for some of the largest builders in the United States. I'm now a business owner entrepreneur, and partner in a firm where we've successfully managed to be listed on the Inc. 5000, America's fastest growing private companies three years in a row. The main purpose of this podcast is to inspire and create awareness about the value of working in the trades and to educate about the great benefits and rewarding opportunities it can create. Are you ready to take this fun journey with me? Let's do it. I'm extremely excited Honored and privileged to have my guest on today. She's an inspirational artist, a creator of all things metal, published author of six books, and an advocate for the skilled trades, which I absolutely love. I connected with her on LinkedIn and asked her if she'd be a guest, and she said yes, and welcome to the show, Barbie. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, so excited that you can join me today. And, and um, you know, we had it set up before, but I had a conflict like we were just talking about. But thanks again for uh, for doing it again, setting it up. I wanted to go back to before you became Barbie the Welder, what your childhood was like and, and just talk a little bit about life leading up to your, your brand and, and Barbie the Welder now. Oh my gosh. I had an amazing childhood because I was blessed with parents who were very creative. Um, my mom had me making robots out of boxes and like, we just, we made stuff out of other stuff, basically repurposed. I don't know if that word even existed back then, but, um, between my mom's creativity, which I never felt like I had creativity. Like weirdly, I, joke around about the fact I, you know, my stick figures are like, people can't even tell what the heck the stick figures are. But through my mom's creativity and my dad, who is, he's a jack of all trades. He wants to learn something and he'll just go out. Like he wants, you know, if the house needed electrical work, he would figure it out. He would go out and learn how to, or read and then go and do it. And at a very young age, I was right by his side my mom taught my brother how to cook. My dad taught me how to be a tradesman. Very cool. And just after that, your high school educated, correct? Yes. Not, well, <laughs> what had happened was I learned by doing and school doesn't teach that way and getting into high school, which I I told you about my childhood, it was really wonderful, but also I dealt with a lot of bullying from the neighborhood kids. I was homeschooled by my parents who wanted to give me the absolute best education that they felt they could, which they did a damn good job. Thank you, mom and dad. But I was bullied by the neighborhood kids because I was so different. They went to school. I didn't. My mom made my clothes. She gave me my haircuts. She told me she could cut hair. I have pictures that says she can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just that bullying led to me having very low self-esteem uh, going into high school, which I was, they stopped homeschooling in fifth grade and put me into school. Very amazing at reading. Like I basically laid around and read all the time. It was reading and math were the two subjects that we really focused on. 
but I hadn't written. She, I don't know. I think I think she told me at one point she's like, "Yeah, I was going to teach you in fifth grade." Okay, I went into fifth grade to struggle really hard because I couldn't. I I still struggle to spell. Spell checkers just like what the hell, Barbie? I have no idea how to help you here. Um, I learned like phonetically, which I think means that it's like by how things sound, which is not how words are spelled. The English language is just. I need to have a talk with someone about that. <laughs> but uh, struggled a lot in school. I'm an intelligent human being, but the way they self-proclaimed, but the way they teach is by reading. And now I love to read like Little House in the Prairie and like all these stories that I you know grew up reading. But to learn, it was my learning style is hands. And so I struggled. And even though like, I'm capable of getting good grades. I really was just like, this is not my thing. I turned to drugs and alcohol early, early, like ninth grade. Um, and would actually go to school to do drugs and drink. I had friends that would bring alcohol to school for me. I got kicked out of, I got kicked out of Horsehead's High School in 10th grade. Got sent to Alternative High School and also got kicked out of there in 10th grade. I ended up with half a credit for my whole entire 10th grade year. Struggled a whole bunch with that. Tried to go into the Air Force and they wouldn't take me unless I had a high school education. So I ended up going back to high school in 11th grade, trying to get the diploma so I can go into the Air Force. My dad was Army. And so he says, go to the Air Force, they have better food. <laughs> but I love to fly. So like I figured like the whole flying thing would just be perfect for me. I was fighting, like during that time, I was fighting to get into auto mechanics in high school because actually technically my second love was auto mechanics. My first love was outer space and like wanting to be an astronaut. But uh, yeah, just fought with the counselor and the principal of the school. Both of them ended up, in my opinion, being very sexist. They're like, don't you think you'd be happier in cosmetology or cooking, which no freaking uh, not my uh not my forte at all still to this day so like the braids is the fanciest I've got with my hair yeah and I don't know how to wear makeup so fought with them and like my my counselor finally like after three years of high school fighting with these guys and like acting a fool and part of my acting a fool was because I couldn't get what I wanted which was the auto mechanics part was a little self-esteem and part was just like I'm angry and Finally, when I went back in 11th grade, my counselor went back to the school for the, the alternative high school. The counselor says, look, at he says, if you can catch up with your, if you can fix your 10th grade that you have screwed up and complete 11th grade, when it comes to 12th grade, we'll put you in auto mechanics, which normally boasts for auto mechanics, you get two years. It would have at least given me one. And so I went to work. 11th grade, I got the highest grades in the school, three semesters running. They taught a little bit differently than your average high school. Uh, thank you, Alternative. I love you. During the summer between 11th and 12th grade, I had my son um, at 17 years old and went back to high school, did auto mechanics, but went back to high school as a single mom and did get the auto mechanics and graduated on time. But uh, the Air Force is just like, nope, there's uh, no room for you here because you've got a child and there was someone that I could go and like, they wanted me to sign my rights away or give someone else partial custody. And that wasn't an option for me. 
Um, and even if it was, I don't think it would have been an option for me. Just that whole, yeah, I'm like, this my baby. So it just, uh, just ended up going into auto mechanics, which is what I wanted anyway. So, uh, and then let's see, did a couple semesters in college for auto mechanics as well. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you, you sharing that in depth and, you know, your experiences. Kids can certainly be cruel, as most of us know, <laughs> uh, the, the, the whole bullying thing, that gets me fired up. So you became Barbie the welder, I guess, approximately what, seven years ago, I saw from your LinkedIn profile. Is that correct? I went full-time as an artist seven years ago. Yes. I think it was probably a year into being full-time as an artist is that I got dubbed as Barbie the welder. So when I started my business, I started it as Wonderland Welding because I'm I'm in love with Alice in Wonderland. And after I joined an uh, entrepreneur group locally, because I had no freaking clue what I was doing, these guys really helped me out a lot. But they started calling me Barbie the Welder. And then after a few months of going to meetings, they they were like, you need to like drop the Wonderland Welding and just totally own Barbie the Welder which I resisted deeply <laughs> for a couple of months. And then finally, so probably close to two, two years in is that I started going by Barbie the Welder. So cool. So how did you get into welding? Where did that come about? So I was in the automotive industry for approximately seven years, including the year I was in, like if you include the year I was in school, which I do. I dealt with a ton of sexism in it. My low, between low self-esteem and God, I mean, I was in love with mechanics, but just every time I would like, I would have a situation, I would try to handle it. And whether I was handling it right or not, or like no one would listen or whatever. I just, I was like, F it, I quit and like would go to another place. And the thing is, if you don't, and I didn't know at the time, but if you don't really solve a problem, it just continues to follow you weirdly. And it might show up in different ways, but that's what was happening with me as I was going to another place. And look, I just want to be seen for my skills. Like that's it. And just wasn't. And finally the straw that broke the camel's back was a, a guy that was just like egregiously, he's just a scumbag. And I went to a woman I worked with and I was like, Hey, this is what happened. And she's like, no one's going to believe you. Everyone loves this guy. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? So at the time, uh, my, this is my first husband, he would have gone to prison had I told him what happened for killing this guy. And so I just loved him and didn't want him to go to prison. So I never said a thing and just quit the job. And I'm just like, no one's going to help me. I ended up going to work for myself. Well, I ended up delivering pizzas for a while and really liked it because there's freedom in that. And I love music and I love to drive. And that was enough, you know, but after a while, I went actually through a really bad time after the divorce, went back to drugs. Like I had like kind of definitely like had left a lot of my drug addiction and stuff, but still was tinkering. It was a good word for it. I was still tinkering with that. After the first divorce, it broke my heart. I had a couple of situations that happened right around the same time that I just felt absolutely hung out to dry by my family. And turned to drugs and ended up homeless and got really messed up and ended up going into the hospital for it through rehab, back to the hospital because I screwed up rehab, 
and like really like to the point where I, my dad didn't think I was going to be able to like write my name bad. And through that, I ended up cleaning myself up because I knew my, like my son, like only parent, I knew he needed me. So I got myself cleaned up, got him back and ended up um, meeting another gentleman who I married. And we had, um, it's a long story, right? Sorry. Um, Red is. <laughs> Your courage to just share this is, is so inspiring. Thank you. There's so many people out there that are going through hell. Yes, the, yes, they are. Yep. And I never expected to to land where I did. And it's just been, I don't know, my welding has turned into so much more. So by sh- and it's scary as shit, right? Like, I, like, hey, here's all my skeletons. This is a scumbag that I was. Like, it's it's humbling to one think of where I used to be. Like, holy crap, it's almost surreal to me, and that was my life compared like from there to where I am today. But uh, if one person can hear like what I've gone through and gotten out of, and not only gotten out of, but I am freaking thriving today. If one person hears that, like it was so worth going through all that hell. You know, it's change who we are. We can celebrate it and honor, you know, honor ourselves. But so second husband, I met him. I think I was just a, I know he was six days out of prison and I was a few days out of the hospital. So we were a match made in heaven. Had a child together. He had a daughter previously. I had my son previously and then we had a son together. And just weirdly, not weirdly, but I guess when we met, we were both mentally around the same like mindset. As I got away from the drugs and everything else, my mindset, like, back to my normal like I like to work a lot I like to build and do and stuff and you know kind of wake up and like here I am with someone who has definitely spent most of his life in prison I love this man don't get me wrong it's the father of my son like but uh, he didn't want to work and it was very difficult that he worked a little bit during the eight years we were married but most of it he didn't and so I'm trying to support the family. I tried college to be a paralegal at one point, did really well, 3.8 GPA, Phi Beta Kappa, and then just like woke up again one day and just like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, you can't sit behind a desk. Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) Ended up creating, basically creating my own business because not wanting to go and work for someone else or the sexism, I'm just like, uh, F, you know, F it. And ended up basically creating my own business where I was selling stuff on eBay and hauling scrap metal between those two. Definitely. Like, even though I was working seven days a week, I was only bringing in about $10,000 a year for, for our family of five. So we were on welfare. We had food stamps. We had government subsidized housing. I had gone back into depression because I wasn't happy in the marriage. He was not handling his business as a husband and father. And basically just undermined every damn thing I did to try to get our family ahead. And with all due, again, with all due respect, like he's doing the very best that he can and like no, no disrespect, no, no anything. And like, I get it. Like, I get it. But um, yeah, just, just was miserable. And 
sat down one day with the neighbors to watch a movie. It was Castaway starring Tom Hanks. And like in the beginning of the movie, there's like this 15 second like clip of this woman welding these giant angel wings. And I can't explain to you how, but it just, it spoke to my soul. I knew I needed to be a sculptor. Like in that moment, in the, you know, in the depression, in the, you know, living in the projects, just miserable. Like I knew, just, I knew that was my sole mission. Hmm. So awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Hey guys, it's Nick. I have a short message from our sponsor, MPC Builders. With well over 40 years of combined construction-related experience in both the residential and commercial markets, MPC Builders services the New Jersey and Philadelphia metro areas. Check out our website at mpcbuilders.net or you can call me directly at 856-217-1750 and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about your construction project. Let's just talk about your thriving business, which I just want to first say your website is badass. Like that welding smoke that comes across the screen. I love it. And you have sculpture gallery, which they're amazing. I actually was just showing my son the other day and he's just like, wow, like just how, how do you make that stuff? You sell sculptures. You have a learn to weld art kits and books. And I see you're starting a masterclass soon. Very cool. When did your website go up exactly? Oh my gosh. It's been up for a while? 2015 maybe. But uh, apparently I'm a web designer. <laughs> <laughs> it looks really good. <laughs> Everything is just kind of learn as I go. Which yeah. Yeah. Been exciting, but yeah. I know a little bit about that. Yep. So you have nearly 250 social media followers. I, I tried to count them all on all the different platforms. It looks to be about that, <laughs> which is amazing. And, and I really hope people check you out because the videos, you know, how active you are on social media is it's so freaking inspiring. I appreciate you so much for everything you're doing because you're just trying to inspire and you're just trying to teach. And it's, and it's quite obvious. Talk a little bit about the Harley Davidson 115th anniversary Eagles. You basically made the Eagle, correct? I did. I made their their logo. The most. Here, do you want another long story? Because all my story, I love stories. Right? Am I allowed to? You can share whatever you like. <laughs> so yeah. I've made two sculptures for Harley Davidson. Like I am working out of a one-car garage. In a town with 1,900 people as of last census, this is 12 foot wide by 23 foot long. That's it. Like, that's the shop. So from here and from my, you know, my humble beginnings, holy crap, like Harley Davidson. So I'm on social media a lot. It means the world to me that people like and share and comment on my stuff. And so I respond to everybody. Now it's taking a lot more today than it ever has been. Get back. I'm about five days back on messages with people. Have patience, guys. I'll be right with you. But, um, you know, I was sitting in a diner one Sunday morning and having breakfast and, you know, on Instagram and just going through the messages that people had sent and going back and liking people's comments and replying to them. And happened to see that Jesse James Dupree was following me. 
Now, if you all don't know who this is, this is a lead singer for Jackal, uh, the band Jackal, who I have been a fan of since I can remember. And I you know, probably swore a little bit, potentially flipped my plate on the floor, just like was blown away that this man is following me. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I started going through his social media because I love to like learn. I really don't know anything about him other than the fact he's a lead singer for Jackal. So going through his social, I went over to his website and it said that he had his own brand of whiskey, Jesse James Bourbon. And I'm just like, holy crap. My mind at the time, like, and it's, it's still working on it. I want to brand my own products. That's one of the things and like, I've got all got a grocery list of things that I'm going to brand eventually. And so on a humbug, I'm like, you know what? I don't know how he found me, but he knows I exist. So I'm just going to throw crap at the wall and see what sticks. I sent him a message on Instagram and I was like, Hey, thanks so much for the follow. And I loved you for forever. How did you start your own brand of whiskey? I'm like, I want to start my own brand. I just don't know. I have no clue about running a business. Look at all this is self-taught. I am YouTube smart. I'm just like, Oh, how, you know, how do you do this? I just, I know I Google it. And so just he like within five minutes, I don't even think it took that long. Writes back to me and he says, Give me 15 minutes, he says, and I'll call you. He'll <laughs> 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 throw money on the counter, run out to my truck, and sit there and wait for him to call. And he called me. And we had an incredible conversation. I'm floored, right? Like, I'm freaking floored. Did he call you in 15 minutes? Awesome. He called me. We sat there and had a conversation for I don't know how long, but he explained a lot of the stuff about branding and marketing his whiskey and how he you know, started doing that. And I'm just like over the freaking moon. I'm like, this is amazing. And it gave me so much information. Well, fast forward two weeks and I get a text message from him. And he says, Barry, he says, I've been hired by Harley Davidson to promote them at uh, Sturgis. He says, and it's Harley Davidson's 115th anniversary. And I would like you to make two skull. I would like to you know, hire you to make two sculptures. One for Harley Davidson's hog, the Harley owners group. It's their... 35th anniversary I believe it was and then one for Harley Davidson's 115th anniversary and he's like I was like you know I'm stuck I'm just like he's like oh by the way you aren't you weld the one live he goes I see like on my website I promoted that I you know have done welding live it's like you know I want you to weld it live at Sturgis at the Pappy Hoyle campground which is another one of his businesses it sits right on the same property as Full Throttle Saloon yeah freaking wow wow yeah so so very cool yeah. and i ended up uh to to get from sturgis from my house is 24 hours driving i packed up my truck with all my welding and listen i've welded live before tons of times created what may be the maybe the first and if not only live welding show and i have no freaking clue but I created a live welding show and welded live up and down the East Coast to all kinds of different events that uh, you know I got invited to. And that's how I got my name out originally before I really hit social media. So, I mean, I can weld simple stuff. I can hammer this stuff out all day long. But he's talking about a masterpiece sculpture, which I'm normally in my shop, and it normally takes a month, you know, a month or more to make a masterpiece. So I'm just like, don't know how I'm going to do it. 
but I'll make it happen. So, so very cool. Let's talk about welding and the skills required. Talk a little bit about the difference between MIG and TIG welding. Oh, my gosh. MIG is wire feed. You pull a trigger and the wire comes out and you can lay a lot of weld really fast with that. TIG is precise. TIG is beautiful. Both types of welding, like all welding, is an art before you do anything else with it. This exquisite processes, but uh, like, how do you even describe TIG? TIG is private and it's personal and intimate. Intimate, right? Very intimate. Mm -hmm. That is a perfect word for it. It is. It's very, it's very intimate. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to describe it. It is such a beautiful, they both are beautiful, but we're like, MIG is like that badass and like the arcs and the sparks and all the, you know, like the wow noise. Yeah, Dig is very just quiet and peaceful. and. Gotcha. I just wanted to hear it in your own words. I love it. (laughs) I love it. And you have exclusive clients in 15 countries. You wanted to talk about a few, which is pretty awesome. I have sold art to clients in Germany, Spain, Finland a couple of times, Sweden, Austria, Australia, United States, Canada. Who am I forgetting? France? Like freaking mind blowing. Like mind blowing. I'm again from a one car garage. Listen, y'all, you do not need a big space to do big things for for sure. And I'm I was gonna get into that later, but you know, what do you say to the starving artists out there? I mean, just you, you gotta put yourself out there, right? You gotta just put yourself out there and look and look what has happened to you. Yeah, the, the first thing I would tell a starving artist is don't ever say starving artist again. Any artist out there, don't you dare tell yourself or anyone else that you're a starving artist. That's such a horse pucky and it's such a uh, it's such a vibe that many artists live into and parents who hear their kids say they want to be an artist, the parents are just like, oh, hell no, because it's just such a, God, it's just such a thing. Oh, it's awful. What happens is people who go to school, my understanding is, because I haven't gone to school for art, my art's completely self-taught. I didn't know you're supposed to be a starving artist. No, I did it for a long time. I did it for the first several years. But they don't teach you how to sell your art in school. I'm going to fix that. I'm Part of my mission is to eradicate the starving artist off the face of the map and make all artists... Uh, Make it easy for them to thrive because, oh my gosh, the world needs art so bad. The world needs artists. And hey, y'all, there's so damn much money in art. I can't even begin to tell you. I did not get into making art to make money. But holy God. (laughs) (laughs) People pay for art, don't they? (laughs) People pay so much money for art. It's It's about finding your client. It's about understanding your value which was super hard for me like if you're an artist with a low self-esteem putting a price on what you're doing is the hardest thing in the world to do it's so hard for so many people it really is yeah i just think humans in general don't understand our value yep i certainly agree and i just want to talk about a couple things that you said you said you want to eradicate that stigma if you will and, and that's what i want to do about the skilled trades you know just the stigma about the skilled trades and you touched on something earlier about, you know, how you were taught that the way they were teaching you wasn't something that, that, you know, you were able to grasp. And 
everyone learns differently for one. You can't teach everybody the same way. So I, I, I totally wholeheartedly agree. What would you say to someone who knows that stigmas out there about a, being an artist, about being a tradesman and, but they realize they want to use their hands. They realize they want, they don't want to take that traditional path because that's really what this podcast is all about. What do you say to some, some young girl, some young boy that has that desire, but scared to be judged about that stigma? How would you tell them to go ahead and, and just follow their heart, follow their passion? Oh, it's easy. Follow your heart, follow your passion. Don't give a flying rat's ass what anyone else thinks about you, first of all. But when it comes to the skilled trades, riddle me this, Joker. If you hired someone who was dumb to do your plumbing, you know, like, would you hire someone that's dumb to do your plumbing? I wouldn't want someone monkeying with my plumbing or my electric that was dumb. Tradesmen are deeply intelligent people. Somewhere along the line, they've got, they get a bad rap because it was like the kids who didn't, didn't get the book smart education who can, you know, apply that book stuff. They were just like, oh, you can't, you know, college isn't for you here. We're going to put you here. And it's always been like this, not always, but for some reason it ended up being a negative thing that you're a tradesman, but go ahead and hire a stupid plumber. I freaking dare you. Right. And it's just like, there are to be a tradesman, you need to be an intelligent person, but it's, and it is book smart. Being a tradesman is a book smart thing, but also it needs to be a, there's different types of intelligences. You do have to be intelligent to be a tradesman. You are a problem solver, which is a different type of intelligence as a, you know, like a doctor who's, which a doctor is a problem solver. Also, there really is no difference between I wouldn't want a dumb doctor doing operations on me the same way I wouldn't want a dumb electrician wiring my house. Hell, hell no. You know, tradesmen are deeply intelligent people. And it's just about, you know, with your podcast, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that you're out there on this mission because it does need to be heard. Yeah. You know, the tradesmen are, are brilliant individuals. You know, my dad, jack of all trades, is completely self-taught with so many different things. And is one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. My dad can figure out anything. And that right there, my friend, is a very special skill. Yep. And you know what else is special too? Being an entrepreneur, which is what you are right now. You're doing you're doing a little bit of everything. You're self-teaching yourself. That's an entrepreneur. And uh, I love hearing that you want to start branding some things. That's that's amazing. And I can't wait to see some of the things that you're you're doing because I'll be following you. But outside of Everything that you're doing, which is an awful lot. <laughs> Are you doing anything else that you're passionate about? Like, do you have anything outside of, you know, your branding and, and business building? What are you passionate about? Oh, I love to ride my Harley. I bought my first motorcycle in, uh, I, I grew up on two wheels, uh, rode dirt bikes and played in the woods kind of thing. And I'm on the bike, I'm on the Harley all my life. And my first bike, I bought a Yamaha because I'm like, if I'm going to lay something down with all due respect, Yamaha, it's going to it's gonna be a 250V star, right? I laid one uh, of those first, down. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thankfully did not. Now, I've been in, has it been, I've been in one motorcycle accident. Luckily, I got thrown off the back of it. Luckily, it was, anyway, long story longer, but I had to sell that V star in, I think, 2015 because my business was failing magnificently because I didn't understand the entrepreneur side and the sales and marketing and branding of running a business. 
I just knew I wanted to create art and pass that. I had no freaking clue. <laughs> but uh, ended up selling that bike. It was heartbreaking to do that. Last year, I was able to buy a 86 XLH Harley Davidson with a 1200 Buell motor on it that I'm like, just love, love, love to uh, put my knees in a breeze on. So cool. So cool. I, I ever since I did, you know, I, that Yamaha, I, I mean, it was, it was a dirt bike. It wasn't anything crazy, but it could have been ugly. And I've always had complete respect, maybe a little fear too, because I do have a need for speed. And if you have that on a bike, like I chose to try to stay away from riding, but I really want to. I really want to. And I think maybe as I get a little older and I slow down, <laughs> I might. Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I'm kind of a terror on two wheels. I like making noise and I like going fast. So I do have to rein it in. Like my truck is a 2008 GMC Sierra and I'm still like lead foot in that thing too. Like my neighbor is just like, what the hell am I out there doing a smoky burnout in front of the house? <laughs> He's just like, really Barbie? My neighbors know about my lead foot in it too. They've been in in the truck with me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. <laughs> Very cool. I I just want to say I appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, can't wait to see what you're going to be doing next. I really am, and I and I hope everyone that listens to this is going to check you out because you're doing some really amazing things. You're so inspirational. There's no one no one out there on YouTube or any of the platforms that's doing what you're doing, your art, your sculptures are ridiculous, ridiculous. So, so very cool. And um, again, I appreciate you and thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk. You're going to make me cry. That was so sweet. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you. You're so very welcome. Have a great rest of the week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Constructing Greatness podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at nicholasofac at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.